Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I want to talk about when God gives you a vision or a dream that is incompatible to predictable laws and divergent from foreseeable order. When God gives a man a vision or a dream that is incompatible to predictable laws or divergent to foreseeable order. When God gives you a dream or a vision that does not relate with the predictable sort of human life and human order as you understand it. What if God did that? Today I want to take time to stir something in somebody's spirit to awaken something in somebody's spirit today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that is going to throw you places beyond you have ever thought or even dreamed in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We have prayed and believed and all things said, Amen. You see, what makes us prudent in the spirit is to know the ways of God. Just to know how God thinks, how God works, how God relates with people. You know, how God deliberates how God plans, how God builds, how God establishes a thing. That's why it talks about the wisdom of a prudent man is to understand the way, to know the way of how certain things are done, to know the way of the Spirit. And that's the reason why we teach what we teach. The Bible says, they that know their God, they shall be strong. So the Bible says, and they shall do mighty exploits. So it's in the knowledge of the Spirit. It's in the knowledge of God. It's in the knowledge of the things of God. And so when we come to teach you, like Paul says, to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, that the eyes of your understanding, he says, will be flooded with light, that you will know, you will know, hallelujah. Because it cannot be knowledge without enlightenment. There cannot be knowledge without illumination of the Spirit. And so I pray by God a certain light is lit in your spirit tonight to throw you into places that you have never imagined or that are even contrary to the order of men and how they predict human life like we know it. See, when we say with God all things are possible, what do we mean? What do we mean? With God, it means aligned to His laws, aligned to His principles, realigned to His purposes, all things are possible to him that believes. And so tonight as I share, I want to start something. I believe that your life will be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. We have examples of people who were given dreams or visions that were contrary to the foreseeable way of life or order of things. They were divergent to the way we calculate, you know, our daily goings and the norms of humanity. That we have people in scripture Time and again, God has showed us that he is that kind of God. Well, it's okay to have a vision and dream that is compatible to predictable law or laws. You understand what I'm saying? It is possible. For example, 
when the Bible says in uh, Matthew, the 10th chapter, the Bible says that it is enough for a disciple to be like his master. That's expected. That's predictable. That's a known way of things. If a disciple sits with his master, the Bible says the disciple is not above his master. He's not above. In fact, the 25th verse, it says, it is enough for the disciple to be like his master. Because the disciple is not above his master. You see? So we're talking about the law of mastery. The student cannot go beyond what they've been taught. So if you're talking about the law of mastery, the student cannot be above his teacher. Yet the Bible says, but it is enough if the student is like his teacher. It's enough if the disciple is like his teacher. You see, a servant cannot be greater than his Lord. But it is enough if a servant is like his Lord. You see, that's a very simple principle. But when we get to the law of inheritance, sons and fathers, when it comes to the life of men, the world of men, the way of life as we understand it concerning humanity, that's not so. In fact, it's misguided for a father to want his son to be like him. Because when it comes to the life of men, and this again does not apply to the Godhead, okay? Because of the nature of God. But when it comes to the life of men, if we are talking mastery, discipleship, you cannot go above the degree of mastery from the man or woman which teaches you that mastery. You see, that's just the way of a spirit. Though it's enough for you to be in the degree or to be like the person that teaches you. In other words, you can only receive from a master that which he has. You cannot be above him, but it's okay and enough if you get to the level of that master. So it's possible for a disciple to get to the level of the master. But when you get to the sons of men as it accords to the law of inheritance, God has ordained men to be greater than those that have come before them. That's just the word of the Spirit. Look at Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he is the son of David. He's the son of Solomon. So Solomon, by that order, is a father to Jesus Christ. By that order, David is a father to Jesus Christ. But you see, David recognizes the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about the flesh. We're talking about the Jew by blood. You see what I'm saying? If you look at um, the Gospels, they talk about of how the queen of the south shall judge this generation because she came from a far land to come and listen to the wisdom of Solomon. But the Bible says, but one with greater wisdom is come. Who is that? Jesus Christ. So we agree, Matthew 12, that actually Jesus is wiser. He is in a higher revelation of wisdom than Solomonic wisdom. So there are people who are still stuck in Solomonic wisdom, and that's all right. But there's a higher realm of wisdom, and that's the Messianic wisdom. See? But he's a son of Solomon, yet Lord of Solomon and David. You see that? So certain laws are predictable in a certain order. You see? And they change when, you know, the principle changes, when the pattern is redefined by God concerning what he is defining in that time. So it is with this. When we go to Genesis, the 37th chapter from the third verse, where it says, now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. He loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more 
and all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph, the Bible says, dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose and stood up straight or upright. Behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shall thou indeed reign over us, or shall thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren. Now listen. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, what is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? What is this dream that you've dreamed? See, the Bible says that the man who loved his son, he loved Joseph. The Bible says, and he preferred him above all his other brothers because he was a son of his old age. He loves him. He makes him a coat of many colors. In other words, he preferred him. He favored him in many ways beyond his other brethren. His brothers have a problem with him because the father favors him, Joseph, more than all the brothers. So you cannot doubt that this man loved his son. It's clear scripturally. See? Now, watch this. But the Bible says, but he has a dream. And the stars, the moon, the sun are all paying obeisance to him. So he goes to the father who loves him above all his other brothers. And tells him, I had a dream when the sun, the moon, and the stars were paying obeisance to me. And the father rebukes him. Or rather, reproves him. Or rather, you know, condemns him. You see? Why? Because this dream, this vision, was not compatible to predictable law. In the Jewish culture, the first was first. The second was second. The third was third. Whether you're talking about the order of priesthood, the firstborn in the sons of the priest, the first family in the sons of the priest, we're talking about the order of the normal household in Jewish culture, the first fleeing witches of God. It was all acknowledged and an unknown fact that even the first son in scripture, according to Jewish culture, received the double portion of the inheritance of the father. That's a predictable law. It's normal, it's compatible to the systems and cultures and norms and beliefs of how the Jews led. Now, this boy is saying that I had a dream that the sun, which is the father, the moon, which is the mother, the stars were all paying obeisance to me. They were his brothers. The stars represented his brothers. They were all bowing and on my feet. Wait a minute. Beyond even just the 11 stars, you're talking about your mother paying obeisance to you. You're talking about your father paying obeisance to you. That is divergent. It's different from just the way we expect God to bless a man. But it happened in the life of a man. And guess what? It happens every day. The Bible says that promotions come from neither east nor west, but they come from God in whom there is no shadow of turning. He pulls down one and the Bible says, and he leaps after another. I feel tonight that somebody's destiny is going to be changed in the mighty name of Jesus. I sense in the spirit realm that there's going to be such a repositioning 
such a repositioning on somebody's life that in a few weeks, a few months, a few years, even those who thought they knew you are going to start studying you again like a specimen of God. Shout hallelujah if you believe it. So we see his father, Joseph's father, having a problem. But again, he would have actually treated that dream as idol. Why? Because see, Genesis 30 tells us that uh, Rachel begat Joseph. She was a mother of Joseph. Joseph was a son to Rachel. The 35th chapter, Rachel died. You see? The 37th chapter, Joseph has a dream. So it could have actually been idol. Why? Because he has dreamed when the sun, when the moon and the stars are bowing down or paying obeisance to him. So the father asks him, are you saying, rebuking me, that I and your mother and your brothers are going to bow to you? Now, if a man was just short-sighted in the ways of God, he would say, you know what? I don't think that that dream is from God. Why? Because God should know better that your mother died. Or that if you're talking about the moon, then we're talking about somebody else. No. God is trying to say that when I speak a word over a man concerning his vision and dream, it even has a ripple effect on those which died. Because he is eternally God. You see? But there's another way to look at it also. Maybe Rachel should not have died. There is a door that she opened that killed her before time. And the spirit realm still recognized her even though she was dead in the body. It's also possible. Go back into the narrations of scripture, you will see. And I wish I had time to explain that. But there are a few things in scripture that tell us so. Remember, she goes to the man and tells him, give me children or I'll die. And the man asks her, am I the one which giveth children? And indeed, the child that comes into the womb, the Bible says the Lord opened the womb of Rachel. You see? Because the man of God is saying, I'm not the one which giveth what? Which giveth children. You see? I'm not the one which giveth children. And she's saying, give me children. I want children. <laughs> is it a coincidence that she dies in childbirth? Maybe that which was in her womb was not of man only, but it had a God connection to it. And in the ways of the spirit, it made incomplete the sentence on her life because she believed from man what could only come from God. Or we could even look at it from the other side when Laban is chasing Jacob. You remember? And he says, one of you has gone with my teraphim. You've gone with my gods. And we could also see it from that way because the man of God, Jacob says, if you find anybody with these gods, let them die. <laughs> so death was pronounced over whoever had the gods. Who had the gods? Rachel hid those gods. So again, the power of the tongue. So I don't think in my spirit that Rachel was supposed to die early. But anyway, back to what I'm trying to say. A man is provoked and he finds himself rebuking whom he loves and not because he does not wish well for whom he loves, but because he has a dream and a vision that is contrary, that is against, that is divergent from a foreseeable order, that is incompatible to the normal predictable laws of humanity and human existence like we know it, the cultures that they have as people of God. Did he not say that exceedingly, abundantly, above that which you dare to ask 
all think, he says, according to the power that works in us. The Amplified, and I love how it says it. I really love the scripture. I don't get enough of reading it. He says, now to him who by the action of his power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and to do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. He can do beyond what you hope. He can do beyond what you dream. He can do beyond what you pray for. He can do beyond what you think. Look at thinking. You see, you can say, oh, probably dreams. I have no control over dreams. But you see, I have control over my thoughts and I can think anything. I can think so wild that half of the earth is broken and it belongs to me. And it says, and I can still do exceedingly, abundantly above that which you can think. No, I can actually think that the whole world is mine. And he says, look, beyond your infinite thoughts, from where you begin to think, I can still go beyond what you can ever... Oh, let me imagine I'm the richest man in the world. Uh -uh. I can do exceedingly, abundantly above that which you dare to ask or think according to the working power that worketh in us. Now, the man which dreams with the Spirit can imagine just how much they are able to do by the person of the Holy Ghost. Just think. Don't trash it. No, no. First, think about it. That beyond your prayers, even the craziest prayer you could ever make, God says, I am able. In consequence of the power that is at work within you, in other words, everything you will ever dream is in you. And that's true. But let me even take it deeper. Everything you can never dream is inside you. <laughs> Glory to God. Everything that you can never desire is inside you. Everything that you can never hope for is inside you. Everything that you can never pray for is inside you. Everything that you can never think is inside you. That means you don't even know yourself enough or if you are to allude to who you are concerning this mystery there's still gray areas that language has no power to express he says according to the working power that worketh in us that is why sometimes when i'm praying i don't pray according to my thoughts thank god for the holy ghost he says sometimes we know not what to pray now when we say we know not what to pray some people are in that realm of not knowing what to pray because they are perplexed, they are confused. But there are people, some of us, who are not in the realm of not knowing how we ought to pray as we ought, not because we are confused and perplexed, but because we know that we possess something inside there that is bigger than what we can think in prayer, that is bigger than what we can pray for when we're speaking, that is bigger than what we can hope for, that is bigger than what we can desire, that is bigger than what we can ever dream about. And so when I'm praying, I'm saying, God, that which I can not dream about but is inside me come out and how do i do that no that's for my benefit marinda la cosa 
Sarabah Rikozanta Makapro Sele Nekipro Lamantori Kata Hoshapa Rembo Zete Marika Pa Bruzele Zike Pro Shanda Hoshapa Karikaprando Losebako Building up yourself in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Exceedingly, abundantly above that which you dare to ask, but I've given you a language and the utterances of the Holy Ghost. He says it's exceeding. He gave. Joseph, exceedingly above that which they could interpret by common law. He gave him a dream and to understand this, this son of a Jew became governor in Egypt. The son of a Jew became governor in Egypt. Whoever knew, whoever knew how would that even happen with all the Egyptians that were around Pharaoh? With all the wise people that were around Pharaoh? With all the graces of men and the abilities and skill of people that were around Pharaoh? Whoever knew that a Jew would be set after Pharaoh, just second to Pharaoh? Just how much power Joseph had. And he entered that nation as a prisoner, as a slave, transacted over very little money. And he became a governor in that very nation. God can do exceedingly, abundantly, that which you dare to ask or think or think or dream. He can do it. He can do it. And he wants to do it. He says, brethren, let us consider our calling. Draw back a bit. He says, not many of us were wise after the way of men. Not many of us were noble. First Corinthians, the first chapter 26 verse. For you see your calling, brethren. He says, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many were mighty, not many were noble, but they were Called. He says, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And best things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. No degree of education should glory in his presence. No master's degree, no PhD, no vocabulary, no grammar, no language, no wisdom, human wisdom I mean, no knowledge, no power, no human strength, no networks, no family connections, no I come from America or that this guy was raised in Rwanda, no I was raised in UK or I was raised in Masaka, Uganda. He says he has chosen the best things of this world that he might shame the wise. If I look at where I came from, how I was raised, the family that raised me, my father, my grandfather, I would be the least expected man to even speak English. But he chose us. He called us according to his glory. 
Hallelujah. And that is why Paul says, I glory in my infirmities. I glory in my weaknesses. Every time you see a weakness in you, think of not only the possibility, but the very reason why God wants to use you. If you see weakness in your life, God is casting light on it to show and tell you that it's the very reason why I want to use you and not anybody else, that the glory might be of God. He says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of power might be of God and not of us. And what does the next verse say? He says, and we are troubled, yes, on every side, yet we are not distressed. We are perplexed, yes, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are cast down, but we're not destroyed. We're always bearing in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life also of Christ might be made manifest in our mortal bodies. That treasure in nothing vessel, that the life of God will be shown in that body, that very body, which we call an earthen vessel. God can anoint an earthen vessel because of the treasure which is within you. So the very reason why I know that God is going to use you is because when I look at you, there is a reason why he shouldn't. Oh, did you understand what I just said? The very reason why I know you were chosen by God, it is because there are reasons why you should not be chosen of God. And that is why righteousness is imputed through faith and not of works lest we should boast. For if Abraham had anything to boast concerning the flesh, the Bible says he had nothing to boast before God. There was nothing in the flesh to justify Abraham for a calling. Nothing. But the Bible says, but he believed on God. He believed on God. And the Bible says, and it was counted to him for righteousness. What I'm trying to preach, I just need a man or a woman with just enough faith. I dare you to believe God. I just dare you to believe God. Don't even ask yourself how it's going to happen. Don't look at your past. Don't look at how much you've prayed. Don't look at how much you've not prayed. Don't look at how much you've fasted. Don't look at how much you've not fasted. Don't look at how much you've given. Don't look at how much you've not given. Don't look at what you have. Don't look at what you don't have. Look to God. Look to God, the author and finisher of your faith. Look to God. Look to God. Look to God. Look to God. God, I'm tired of dreams that are predictable. I'm tired of visions that, oh yeah, yeah, we've seen that. Oh yeah, yeah we've heard about that. Oh yeah, he's doing, yeah, yeah, there's somebody who did that before. Oh, if you read this book, that guy is doing exactly what the other guy did. I hate being likened with any man that has walked the surface of this earth before. And of course, people can tell you, do you think you're going to do anything that we've never seen before? Oh, I has not seen ear has not heard. The Bible says it has not entered the heart of a man that which God has prepared for them that love him. And he says, battle, and he has revealed it unto us by his Holy Spirit. What does a man do when, again I say, carries a revelation in his spirit of something eye has never seen, ear has never heard, and has never entered the heart of a man? What happens to a man who feels those things? Have you ever been in a place where you feel things you've never read? Where you see things you've never seen? 
Oh, you hear words you have never heard about in church history, human history, and those things are in your bed when you go to sleep at night, and then you look at your color of skin, and then you look at the community you were raised, and then you look at the family you're in, and then you look at your pocket, and you're like, oh God, how do these things reconcile? But God has said, that's why I want to get, yes, they're incompatible because it's me putting it in you. Oh, God cannot just allow you to think things that are godly without a sway of the Holy Ghost. They cannot come to me except I draw them. They cannot. Why are you the one dreaming that dream? Why are you not thinking of making a popcorn machine? Why are you thinking of standing in a stadium <laughs> with 50, 100,000 of people watching you? Why are you the one dreaming being watched by more than 200 or 300 television stations and being listened to to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of radios in the whole world when there's a man in the same world who believes just to be a servant? or a slave in a house. Why are you dreaming those dreams? Why are you? Why are you tuning in? Why do you enjoy these things? Why haven't you switched off yet? Because there are things that are connected to the words that I'm saying. And again, like I said, if a man was not called to this realm, they can't understand this someone. But you who up till now is saying, why is he going? Why is he saying, I think I understand it. You're the one I came to talk to. Tonight, God told me, I am about to change your life as you knew it. I'm about to make your dream so incompatible to your family. I'm about to make your vision so incompatible to your books and education. I'm about to make your dream so incompatible to the language that you speak. I'm about to make your dream so incompatible to the career that you're running. There are people right now who are listening to me. This month, this very month, this is the last time you're going to be doing what you're doing. God is going to unplug you and plug you where you really must go. I know when a milestone of destiny is defined. And this sermon tonight, somebody's destiny is going to be realigned. It's going to be redrawn. People are going to forget who you are. They're going to start saying things like, is this the fellow we worked with? Is this the woman I went to school with? Was this the person I played with at home? Was this the individual that I did this with? Was this my girlfriend before? Was this the man I dated once? It's going to happen in the mighty name of Jesus. It's going to happen. Philip gets to Nathaniel and he tells him, you know what? I have found who Moses spoke about. The son of God. I found the Christ. And Nathaniel says, can any good come out of Nazareth? Can any good, anything good come out of Nazareth? There's a revelation more. Because remember, John was not the kind of man with the revelation that he had with the uniqueness and scarcity of how much space he had to write. Could he just write a stray word? Remember, he says, if the things that were done by the Christ were to be written, he said, even the books would feel the earth and override it. See, so he knew so much about that which was done by Christ. And he's a man who chooses with the abundance of revelation that he has concerning the Christ to zero down to what is most important for him to write. So it's John the very fellow telling you this story. It cannot just be a stray story. It can't be just a stray statement. Just nothing else said it. No, there's some deep that. But here is what I want to emphasize. Nathanael says, can any good come out of Nazareth? 
And Philip tells him, you come and see. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw Nathanael afar, he said, behold, an Israelite or a Jew indeed, in whom there is no guile. Look at a man in whom there is no guile, you know, no guile, no deceit. There is no falsehood. There is no pretense. That means what Nathanael spoke was true. Did you understand what I just said? Because he says, behold a Jew or an Israelite in whom is no guile. So he says there's no guile in him. That man spoke from the purest of spirit to say nothing good comes out of Nazareth. But see how God gets in Nazareth. And that's where he writes the story. He is the God of concealment. He likes hiding the most beautiful things in the least predictable places. That's just God. He creates beauty out of the ugliest thing. He builds strength out of weakness. The Bible says he has ordained perfect praise in the mouths of babes. Why not the mature ones? Why not the mature people? Why doesn't he get through the most mature with the deepest understanding and revelation and he ordains perfect praise? No, he gets in a babe and he ordains praise. Perfection in them, in those which know not. In fact, at one time he says, oh, blessed be God. Jesus Christ rejoiced in his spirit and he says, thank you, Father, for you have revealed these things. And to what? Babes. But from the prudent and the wise, it is hidden. <laughs> he gets a prudent man who you think is very prudent and is wise and it's hidden from him. And then he gets a suckling babe. And then he shows him something. He shows him something. And that is why you should stay humble. You need to understand the humility of spirit. The Bible says the Lord shall prepare the heart of the humble. He shall prepare the heart of the humble. He shall instruct the heart of the humble. If you want to be prepared and instructed for what is coming in the world, you must carry a humble spirit. Humble spirit. Humble spirit. But back to the Christ. Can any good come from Nazareth? Because none good was supposed to come from Nazareth. And that is from where good could not come. God made good. Where life could not come, God created life. Where greatness could not come, God created greatness. Incompatible to predictable law. That's just God. So when Paul tells Timothy, in 1 Timothy, the first chapter, the 12th verse, when he tells him, let no man despise thy youth, it means that Timothy had too much for his age. That's just justice. It is that no man despise your youth. He means Timothy had so much for his age that it was probable for a man to despise his substance because of his age. Or otherwise, if he was just a predictable fellow, why would somebody despise what's already predictably speaking in its vibration, in its realm and wave? Except there was something special on that young man. You see, he says, let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Till I come, he says, give attendance to the reading and to exhortation, to doctrine, Neglect not the gift 
that is in thee. Don't ignore that which I've placed in you by the Holy Ghost which was given to thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. And he says, and meditate upon these things, young man. Give thyself wholly to them that your profiting may appear unto all. Take heed unto yourself and to the doctrine to continue in them for in doing so, he says, regardless of whether you're 15 or 17, you will save yourself and them that hear you. So it means the anointing of the Holy Spirit is irrespective of age. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is irrespective of Bible theology school. I have a master's in theology. I have a doctorate in human theory, whatever you want to call it. It's irrespective. I'm not saying that that does not have its place in the predictable course of humanity. But not everybody who goes to theology school can open a blind eye. Not everybody who has a master's in theology can raise a dead body. Hallelujah. This man went to fishermen. Fishermen. And he said, follow me. In fact, at one point later on as they're speaking, the Bible says they discerned that these men had been with God for they knew that these men were unlearned. They knew that these men were unlearned. They did have a language. They did not have wisdom enough and understanding to speak like learned men. But they designed that these men had been with Christ because that's what Jesus does to you. <laughs> when you get into understanding who he is and what he's come to do in your life, it doesn't matter how many books you have on your shelf. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have on your head. It doesn't matter how many exposures you have. It doesn't matter how many nations you've been to. It doesn't matter how big your family is and how big your networks are. When God anoints you, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, oh my God. The Bible says, I will make your deserts blossom. You see how a desert looks like? It's a dry land. There's none that grows there. He says, I will make your deserts blossom. He says, when the Spirit is poured upon you, He says, your wilderness will be fruitful. <laughs> your wilderness will be fruitful. Your wilderness will be fruitful. I shall be counted for a field. Hallelujah, glory to God. That's what the Holy Spirit came to do in your life. To take you in places where predictably the laws say this can't happen. And you stand in that very place and make it happen. You're a game changer. In fact, the psalmist says, he has made me a wonder. And that is why I decree upon your life. People will look at you in amazement. You will do things and people will just wonder. You will pass and people's jaws will drop like, why? Because God has anointed you. He has put his spirit upon your life. I refuse that you be a mediocre. I refuse that you will walk the life of predictable people. I refuse. I refuse. It doesn't matter whether you're born in a poor family. It doesn't matter whether you come from a poor country. It doesn't matter whether you didn't have this or you didn't have that or you were not raised by your father or your mother wasn't there. It doesn't matter whether you're an orphan. It's about time for you to stop victimizing yourself. Put ye on the Lord Jesus. The Bible says you've put on the new man which has been renewed in the knowledge. He has been renewed in epignosis. He has been renewed. He's renewed as a new man now. He's after the way of Christ. He's after the way of Christ. So when Jesus said that greater work shall you do, he was not talking from the realm of master. <laughs> Because it was enough to just be. But when he's turning to the church, when he's speaking to the church, he says, greater work shall you do because I go to my father. The spirit of fatherhood is speaking.
king. Greater work shall you do. In other words, when you read what Jesus did on the earth, you have to wake up and understand that you were to begin from there and do more. That's why when you see how Paul walked this earth, how the Peters of that world walked this earth, oh my God, these men made heaven proud. And that didn't intimidate the Christ because it's just the way of the Spirit. The church is his bride. Hallelujah, glory to God. And so that's the time we're living in right now. That's my season. That's my day. That's my time. That's what I feel God has ordained for you. It's about time your story changed. I can't talk about the other times I've preached, but I can talk about now because this is the rema of the hour. God is about to even separate you from those you're related to. Not that you'll not talk to them again, or that you will not answer their calls when they call, or that you'll not be one with them and visit. No. It only means people are going to be asking, do you really come from there? Are you really a Muganda? Are you really, really, really a Mchiga? Why? Because God is going to do something in your life that will make the Jew envy you. He says, I provoked envy by blessing the other nations. Because that's the only way the Jew will come in. God wants to raise Gentiles so much that the Jew will be envious. His own choice people. So I'm excited for that dream. I'm excited for that vision that God is going to place in your spirit today. I want to pray with you. These kinds of summons, they provoke me to pray. Come, O city. I want you to raise your voice right now and call on God until you know that you know that you know that this message has been imparted in your spirit with the evidence of signs, miracles, and wonders to follow you in a few days, few weeks, few months. Come on, raise your voice and pray. If it had not been for the Lord who was always on my The enemy would have swallowed us, would have drowned in the water. And our souls are an escape, a hiding place in you. The foulness is broken. My hell in the name of the Lord. And I'm nothing without you. Without you. Jesus, you are the movement of my being. Oh, 
peace that lasts forever sinking thick in mercy see wide away drawing close stirred by grace and all my heart is yours so Come on, pray. When I'm lost, you pursue me. Lift my head to see your glory, Lord. So beautiful, hearing you I find shelter, captivated by the splendor of your face, my secret place, wide away, throwing close by grace, and oh, Yerima, 
Sobosa, Hasanta Rebo, Ricandezile Pro, Salabacara, Hosanda Repa, Ricasanto, Rimasaya, Ricabaze, Hosalapa, Randeevo, Seketra, Hosalando, Ricando, Salabrosa, Hasatala, Rimataraba, Robosa, Hasande, Hosakata, Ricamanto Riva, Saricatala, Sapaye, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Signs, miracles, and wonders are yours. You're going to change this world. You're going to do things that you've never dreamed of, that you've never thought of, that you've never meditated over. You're going to walk in places that you have never even imagined. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Thank you, Holy Ghost. If you've never given your life to Christ, I want to make you know that Christ is the vision. Christ is the vision. Christ is the vision. I want to give you an opportunity to receive him as your Lord and Savior. You just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you shed your blood for me and was raised for my glory. I believe that you're the Son of God. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 4291 or email us at at gmail.com You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5pm to 8pm. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero Fenero, make manifest.